I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Sakshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. My name is Arjun. Today we're going to be talking about China, PRI, and Africa. But before we get into the conversation, I just like to mention one of Takshashila's initiatives. It's called the Global Outlook Survey. It's a survey meant for everyone, and uh, we want to gauge everyone's opinions on what India's foreign policy should look like in the future. You will find the link to the survey in the description. Please take it and help us out. That being said, let's move on to the episode. Today I have with me Amira. She works as a research assistant at the Takshila Institution. Hi, Amira. Hi, Arjun. Thanks for having me. Yep. So she just wrote an op-ed in first post, which we'll also link to in the description about China and its increasing influence the African continent. So we want to discuss more on this and how it can affect the global uh, geopolitical landscape. So, uh, Amira, so I just wanted to ask you about why exactly is China doing this? What are their interests in the continent? Is it just economic? Is it something geopolitical? Are they looking for natural resources which have it been already got from the African nations? Or what exactly are they planning? So, firstly, just for people who don't know what the BRI is, China's BRI is the Belt and Road Initiative. It's a flagship project and it's a strategy uh, that was initiated by uh, the People's Republic of China to connect with Asia, with Africa and Europe through land and maritime networks. And the aim of this initiative is to improve regional integration and increase trade and as such stimulate economic growth. So as you can see for China, this is a very, very important project. And Africa is such a large continent. So China has been making its inroads into Africa for a while now. In fact, about 40 out of 55 countries are said to have signed some sort of, of an agreement related to BRI investments in infrastructure in Africa. And regarding the question you asked on Chinese interests in Africa, it's not just political or economic or strategic. So it's a mix of all. So China's key strategic interest in the region is one, access to natural resources, um, particularly oil and gas. And also Africa is a huge market for Chinese exported goods. And this is an effort for China to restructure its economy away from labor intensive industries, especially as labor costs in China is very is increasing. And in terms of political interest, China also wants political legitimacy. So the Chinese government essentially believes that strengthening China-Africa relations will help China's own international influence as part of its, you know, go global strategy, which I mentioned in as my argument in the op-ed. And yeah, so those are some of the main interests for China in the region. And Africa is a continent where 
China has invested in a lot of projects. So, you know, with the help of the African continent, the BRI initiative also increases China's control of critical global supply chains and its ability to redirect the flow of trade in the world's sea. So the African continent is therefore of great importance to the implementation of China's BRI and also its, chi- and it's, also its 13th five-year plan a document which was adopted in 2016. So Chinese maritime interests and rights, which lays a foundation for its great power status, is also one of the reasons why investment in Africa and its maritime Silk Road is of huge importance to them. That's interesting. So we know about China's BRI project. So it's their premier foreign policy project. They've already kind of extended the sphere of influence in Central Asia, the Middle East. And now they're looking to do that in Africa as well. And we've also heard about the China's projects in Africa, especially in the country of Djibouti, which is on the eastern coast of Africa, right? So they have their own naval base there and they get access to the uh, Indian Ocean and stuff. So other than this major Djibouti project or anything, so what? how has China expanded their influence in the continent? What are these other infrastructure projects across the continent? Is it just uh, specific to a certain region in the continent or is it spread out? And can we connect the dots somehow or is it just like random investment projects all across the continent? So before I answer your question, I want to talk about Djibouti and the importance of Djibouti for China. So when I mention that China has strategic interests in the region, I also mean that Djibouti could be, as you know, it, they have, China has constructed a naval base in Djibouti, which could be used for military purposes in the future. So that is of great importance because if China was to use Djibouti as a military base in the future, that could provide them with great leverage in terms of security and trade in, in, in the sea. So, yeah, so that's one point. And secondly, as I mentioned, China has uh, about at least 40 out of 55 countries have signed some sort of an MOU with China related to Bree infrastructure. So obviously, you know, the projects that China has invested in is not confined to uh, any particular region. So there are projects across the region and across the continent. And I've also mentioned it in my, so I talk about, I've mentioned a few in my article. I, I, I can't go into all of them, but some of the recent investments in the continent, for example, in Zambia, uh, China has commissioned over three major infrastructure projects in the past few weeks. So they've commissioned a hydropower station in the southern district of Zambia. And then last month, China commissioned two international airports in the countries in terms of railways. China has also funded the Tanzania-Zambia Railway Authority. It's a railway line that connects Zambia to uh, to Tanzania. And finally, China has also constructed two modern stadiums and a hospital in addition to other projects in, in Zambia. So this is only in Zambia. And China has also expressed its willingness to continue assisting with development in, in the nation. And, the, and interestingly, the latter seem to be appreciative of China's infrastructure financing in improving the country's development. And this is actually seen across its projects in Africa. A lot of, a lot of Chinese projects in Africa are actually very appealing to the Africans because they like the idea of, of building, getting funded to build these infrastructure projects. And, you know, the, the development is going up in such a way that 
you can't really refuse that offer. So, okay, yeah, so that's, so that's one region. Another country where China is making inroads is in Ethiopia. So China has financed a wind power project under the Belt and Road Initiative scheme, which as of July is about 75% complete. So it is expected to be completed by the end of 2022. And the project is contracted by a Chinese-based state-owned enterprise. And the aim of this project is basically to increase green energy levels boost national and boost the national energy output of Ethiopia. And it will also provide electricity for industrial parks along the Ethiopia-Djibouti Economic Corridor and the Addis Ababa-Djibouti Railway. So in Ghana as well, China, the scale of Chinese funded projects has been rising over the last two decades rapidly. And their most significant investment in the region was the construction of a 400 megawatt dam in 2013. And this is of importance because China is now the primary source of foreign direct investment in the country. And in, in fact, in, in 2018, Ghana actually negotiated a 2 billion deal to allow China's uh, Sino-Hydro Corporation to invest in infrastructure in exchange for access to precious elements. So as I mentioned, in the key interests of China's uh, uh, influence in Africa, one of the uh, key interests was access to minerals and uh, oil and gas. So here, in exchange for infrastructure building, they get access to precious elements. And in Ghana, it's namely bauxite. So apart from financing ports, roads, railways, uh, China is also making its way into building telecom infrastructure on the continent. So a recent example of this is the opening of a national data center in uh, the Western African nation of Senegal. And the Export-Import Bank of China financed the center with technical backing from Huawei, responsible for about 50% of Africa's 3G networks and 70% of its 4G networks. So. Apart from these, there are various other projects in the works that China is funding. And as I mentioned, according to Chinese data, uh, as of January 2021, about 140 countries joined the BRI, out of which 40 are in sub-Saharan Africa. So apart from infrastructure, there's also uh, technology and telecom networks where China is getting into, particularly with its Huawei for 5G networks and 4G networks. So that's another and that's another way that China is investing in infrastructure in the region. So these are some of the recent investments they've made to name a few. But you should definitely check out all the other regions where they have projects because there are a lot widespread across the continent. That's really cool. I mean, like they are not only in the infrastructure domain, but also in the tech and telecom yeah. and everything else. So that's very interesting to know. Before we go on, let's just take a short break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. So we were discussing about Chinese influence in Africa through their BRI projects. So Amira, I just wanted to know how are these African countries coping up with this level of investment? Do they know what they're getting themselves into? Do they uh, have these prospective risks or fears from Chinese investment? I know they're all uh, still developing nations and they would definitely require economic and financial help from whoever uh, can provide them. 
But is there something they need to be aware about? We have always heard about this whole uh, China's debt trap diplomacy, yeah. the scene in Hamad Dota and everywhere else. So are they kind of aware of that? So what are the fears or the risks they might have to encounter while dealing with Chinese investments? Yeah, definitely debt trap diplomacy is one of the biggest risks that China faces as part of its BRI flagship project. In Africa, particularly, one of the critical risks facing China's uh, Chinese BRI investments is the violation of human rights. So uh, this is very evident as, you know, a report was published in August by the Business and Human Rights Resource Center, which was a London-based non-profit. And the report actually stated that Africa has the second highest number of allegations of human rights abuses. And about 26% of the claims recorded are against Chinese companies operating from abroad between 2013 and 2020. So the most frequent issues apart from human rights violations relate to loss of livelihood, environmental impact assessment, and the issue of laboring. So environmental impact assessment is also a huge risk that China faces because a lot of the projects uh, do not meet the environmental standards, uh, safety standards and protocols, which is a big problem for, you know, projects that they they have started, you know, uh, that they have invested in, you know, near the seas and near the beaches, particularly like in Sierra Leone. So, yeah, so the main, the these issues were mainly seen in Uganda, Kenya, Zimbabwe and the Democratic Republic of Congo. In fact, China has tried to implement safeguarding policies, but the pressure will increase as many of the abuses are now being highlighted on social media. So particularly the case of Zimbabwe, where the Zimbabwe Congress of Trade Unions has resorted to online campaigns on the issue. So Chinese have invested heavily in the Zimbabwean economy and there are local fears that they would take away their assets on account of consistent loan defaults. So basically, China's power and clout in Zimbabwe can be recognized from the fact that uh, despite numerous cases of abuse by Chinese employers of the local labor force, no measures have been taken by the government. So things have deteriorated to such an extent that local employees have actually been shot dead by Chinese employers at a mine where the laborers demanded their wages. So as you can see, you know, there's a lot of chaos as well that accompanies this great initiative that they are doing that a lot of people probably don't even uh, don't even look at or don't even take seriously so going back to Sierra Leone so the project at Black Johnson Beach it's a project that China has invested in and Sierra Leone is one of the world's poorest countries and and has needed a harbor for deep sea fishing boats for a really long time so of course China came in and agreed to give about 55 million to help build this port but The problem with this project is that many locals fear that the project will threaten the surrounding rainforest and the country's tourism industry, which also will impact uh, their livelihood. And apart from that, there are many other, you know, smaller reasons. For example, in Somaliland, Somaliland has actually rejected China and encouraged the US to increase its influence in, in the country. And Somaliland is actually resisting China's expansion in Africa through the Belt and Road Initiative. And after months of Chinese pressure, the government has actually cut out China and invited Taiwan to open an embassy in the capital. So this is a risk for China because, you know, for them, inviting their competitors in the region will only, you know, scale up the competition and 
and threaten their prestige of their project in this region. So another risk is the possible user, as I mentioned earlier, another risk is the possible use of investments for geopolitical or geostrategic gains. So the construction of a Chinese military base in Djibouti, like we talked about earlier, has sparked concerns in the continent about China's plans over its infrastructure investments in the future. China could actually set up another possible military base in Walvis Bay in Namibia. And again, so the construction of these military bases, potential military bases, sorry, is a threat for not only Africa, but for the other countries around the world. So in fact, in 2019, the Chinese news outlet Global Times had actually reported that China Arbor Harbor aims to turn the Walvis Bay in Namibia into an international logistics hub, hinting at its intentions behind the development. But still, expanding maritime cooperation with Africa and port infrastructure and construction is vital for China's larger geopolitical and economic strategy. This is because it views deepening trade links along the corridor as essential for its domestic and international policies. And another major reason why China is so protective about its investments in the region is because of the need to protect its citizens working on BRI projects across Africa, which is close to about 300,000. So this is a huge domestic interest for China to safeguard its citizens. And a lot of Chinese citizens have also faced violence in Africa. So it's not just the Africans. And lastly, like China's need for oil and mineral resources and access to markets to sell its products and for Chinese firms looking to gain experience. So they're using Africa as a space for increasing their opportunities and for domestic employment. But of course, there has to be a way to counter the risks that comes with these projects. And I think this is still something that China needs to uh, figure out and China needs to get into get under control instead of you know suppressing these suppressing what the what the risks are and what the disadvantages are and what African perspectives are towards these projects in the region. That's very interesting. I mean, things have escalated to such a certain uh, levels that no one would have expected. Yeah. I guess a decade back. So how are other countries in the world responding to this? Are they are they aware of stuff happening in Africa with regard to China? And what is their view on what is happening in the continent? Do they, are they still fearful of Chinese influence or are they countering Chinese influence with their own investments and influence in the region? So what, what has been the kind of response from the outside world? Yeah, so I'm actually glad you asked that question because in my opinion, the competition for China in Africa is still relatively less because, you know, Africa has been a continent that has been neglected by the West for a long time. And in my opinion, personally, I feel once China started making its inroads into Africa was really when the West kind of shook up and they were like, okay, we need to, you know, increasing our influence in this continent because as you know, most countries around the world, basically like big powers like the US and India and the West and other Western countries, uh, major powers, they are all caught in this, you know, great power competition with China. So of course, with Africa being such a large continent and with which has so much scope and so much advantage and potential, with China increasing its influence by such a large amount in the region, you know, it's it's got to shake up the other countries a bit. 
to for them to you know start investing in the region and start increasing their influence in the region so again even in africa the africa is kind of used as a space of competition between great powers but right now i feel like china is still ahead because of the number of investments it has made in the region and the continuous you know cooperation and partnership between china and and various african countries uh, for the past you know for how many ever for the last few years for the last decade however long but as a result of this influence there are powers that are trying to step up their reach so well, let's talk about india so india is india is attempting to establish its role as a green energy provider with the state run national thermal power cooperation limited so they are trying to secure project contracts in cuba and malawi and niger to meet electricity demands and india actually has an advantage of securing contracts in the region due to its membership in the international solar alliance and now that we're speaking now that we're on uh, the topic of india and africa i actually had written an op-ed uh, a couple of months ago on india africa energy relations and how india is investing uh, heavily in green energy and renewable energy in africa so you might want to check that out we'll link it below if you want to know more about this uh, so similarly the us and uh, so re- recently the us and all g7 countries launched the build back better world in a partnership back in june to meet infrastructure needs in low and middle income countries particularly in africa so while there is not much detail on the initiative scope because it's a very recent one it indicates a newfound western interest in africa owing of course to the massive presence of chinese activities in the region however with these initiatives it is doubtful how successful attempts by other powers can be in playing a more prominent role in african affairs at the moment considering the long time neglect towards the continent and more importantly some african countries are actually appreciative of china's efforts in the region so as much as there are risks involved and there are human rights violations involved and and there is a uh, you know labor right violations involved the africans seem to be more appreciative of china because of the funding they are providing because of the number of developments that are coming up, coming up and it's actually you know changing the changing the way africa's development is is proceeding so it's actually making them grow and grow and uplifting them so africans don't really see this as a bad thing more importantly for them africa is still willing to work with china compared to the west as they fear working with the west will yield no results and just a high percentage of loans and debts so of course even though china's foreign direct investment in africa is extremely high so that obviously the debt burden is increasing for each country it's not unlike the west china is not promising gains and giving no returns so china is promising the gains and giving the returns without having to ask really for you know the debt and you know pushing them to uh, you know basically giving them an ultimatum i'm saying hey look give us all the money now so that's why africans kind of seem to be pleased with chinese involvement in their region and finally you know one more thing is that while there are many dangers attached to china's bri in africa one cannot ignore the prosperity it bring it will bring to the continent which is the which is what i've been saying this whole time so it is a two way relationship and both countries are essential for each other's foreign policy objectives so irrespective of the bri china has expressed its willingness to support economic growth in africa 
through infrastructure development and the china africa relationship has only strengthened political and economic engagement between the two countries so i would just like to end by saying that you know as of now chinese influence in the region will increase uh, of course we will see more more from the west as well in the region but i guess it we will just have to see how it plays out in this great power competition game in this continent that was uh, that was such an enlightening conversation thank you so much amira we we'll link both of your uh, articles in the description so please uh, go ahead and uh, take a look at them thank you so much amira for joining me today thanks alton yeah see you guys in the next episode bye bye if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow ivm on social media the handle is at @ivmpodcasts on twitter facebook and instagram and hey if you'd like to dive into takshashila's research on technology strategy and economic affairs check us out at our twitter handle at @takshashila_inst or our website takshashila.org.in